Hello and welcome to the Dancers Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Donahue. How is everyone? Are we good? It's Monday. I'm ready to whip up a fresh batch of content over here on the content farm. Dan's content farm, we call it. Uh, boy, I'm never going to say that again. I uh, am really excited for this episode. I'm really excited for you all to listen to it because the person who I am talking to is just such an interesting guy, such an interesting character. I met him when he moved to L.A. uh, before the pandemic. And Milan is one of the funniest people uh, I've ever seen do stand-up, truly. And also really scared me when I we get into that a little bit. Milan has to to me personally this presence of uh intensity and it it it's really cool that he's also really funny. Like both of those things really exist in him. But when I first met him, he's one of those guys where you convince yourself they don't like you, but it's just because you're kind of uh, intimidated by them, so you're just like focusing on every little thing they're saying and doing, and because you respect them. And when you respect somebody, you assume they don't like you because that's just having a healthy, functioning brain. Am I right, folks? But uh, the conversation was really wonderful. Uh, you can check out Milan's live shows. He goes over them at the end. I'm also going to put a link uh, down below. And check out his social media because he promotes all of his live shows on his Instagram. So I'm going to put the link to that below too. Uh, without further ado, oh, and check out the Patreon. Uh, you get a, uh, a bunch of extra stuff from joining the Patreon. I have a bunch of videos on there, writing, all that sort of stuff. And it just helps support the podcast and keep it going. Without further ado, please enjoy my episode with Milan Patel. We're started. How are you, dude? I'm good. How you doing? Good. I uh, so there's a few reasons that I wanted to have you on the podcast. Number one, just being uh, and I sure I'm sure you heard this all the time, and it's annoying. You're so funny. Oh, thanks, man. Do you th- now? You, when you moved to L.A., you were in Seattle for a while, right? Yeah, I was in Portland. Oh, Portland. Yeah. Did you ever do stand up in Seattle? Yeah, I started there. Um doing doing comedy like when i was in college yeah and then i kind of like after college i moved back home with my mom and was was doing comedy in portland basically so when did you like start stand up because your your family owns a hotel or owned a hotel or do they still do it uh yeah they still have like my yeah they still have like a motel yeah since you were a little kid yeah that's such a funny upbringing yeah i mean everybody in my family like all my aunts and uncles and all my cousins every every family like had a motel growing up (laughs) just everybody had an individual motel yeah that's just like 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 where i'm from in india um or where my family's from in gujarat like gujarati people a lot of them come to america and then that's just a business that they get into right almost like i mean this is uh this is like so well known but like vietnamese people in nail salons nail like, salons or like korean people dry cleaners my my dad had a had dry cleaners as well oh interesting um and yeah just certain you know immigrant groups have certain businesses that they get into so like gujarati people a lot of times end up getting into motels and hotels eventually you know the the donut shops in los angeles i believe are like a filipino staple yeah i think so yeah or or at least like a lot of asian people own donut shops right there's a great uh there's a great story of the guy who essentially brought them over here really popularized them and then he just lost 
every penny gambling. <laughs> Donut King? Is yeah, the, yeah, I think it is. I didn't know that he lost. They they made a documentary about him. Yeah, right? dude, gam. You've never gone into that, have you? Into gambling? Yeah. Um, like my my family really likes. You know, I would like when I was a kid, I would go to casinos all the time. Really? Yeah, like my dad and my uncles would take us, but it was kind of fun. Like the ones in Washington, some of them are they're so big that they have uh, arcades in them. <laughs> so. <laughs> And the sick, that should be illegal. I know the sickest thing about it though is that they had like it's all free to play. Basically, you just drop your kids off and you go gamble. And there's a soda machine and nobody's manning the soda machine. So you that's just worse drink than the gambling much. for the adults. It's so bad, dude. I would just drink so much soda. You'd be like, Mom, Dad, can you gamble this week, please? Yeah. It was honestly like one of the best memories of my life. Do you remember what your parents, uh, what their games were? I, uh, my dad and like all my uncles would just play mostly poker and then yeah. maybe blackjack, but a lot of poker, I would say. I, I yeah. play a lot of poker. It's a great game for a gambling addict that wants to convince himself he's not. That there's a skill involved to it, which yeah. which there is. but There yeah, is. Yeah. For some people. There's control. They, there's some control. That's it, what people, or the illusion of control, maybe. It, it's funny. It's like... um. It's a great game because it can be played as a skill game or you can sit down and gamble. And it's just however you play. Yeah. It's like there's – I've gone to – like people who are like, uh, oh, cause poker is 100% gambling. Obviously, that's stupid because the same people make it to the main table every year. That's not luck. But you sit down at like a uh, at like a low-stakes game in Commerce, California, and you look around and you're like, oh, there's not a lot of skill on this table, really. No. There's a lot of I I, t- I told the story before I think but uh, I sat down at a table once and uh, I was just learning how to play, and uh, so I'm like trying to do the calculations in my head and I'm like really focused on the game and I'm like trying to get reads on people and I look to the left of me and the guy next to me is watching porn on his phone, <laughs> just straight watching hardcore pornography on his phone. Yeah, and he's beating you. <laughs> <laughs> you did have more tips than me at that point, I think. <laughs> um, so when it comes to like. You said every member of your family has a motel. How many motels are there, essentially, in your family? In my family? Um, right now, I don't know because people have, like, sold them over the sure. years. But I have, like, f- uh, my mom has four siblings, so, like, each of them have, like, maybe a motel at this point, maybe, one, like, two. Wow. But it's hard It's hard to say, like, because pe- people have, like, sold them over the years and stuff, so That's it's so hard for me to calculate. And then also, it's not just them, but the, I have other family members outside of that, that group. That um, And you, you kind of grew up, like, working in the motel. Yeah. I, w- I would work in the motel. Did you, a- as a kid, was that something that you were, like, proud of? You go, like, oh, no, I, no you don't, you <laughs> didn't like it. Not. Why not? <laughs> no, because everybody else had a house. So <laughs> I, I I had a house, oh, though. I was uh, going to ask, you, you didn't live at the motel, did no, you? No, me and my, well, everybody did, like, in my family. But me and my mom, we had a house. Um, that's just how it worked out. Oh, but, that's good. Um, yeah, just, that's just how it worked out for us, but everybody else, yeah, they live in the motel and stuff. And then I, I kind of grew up there because my mom would be working all the time. She would be like working at the dry cleaners or sure. one of my other uncle's mo- hotels or whatever. So I would just be with my aunt at the motel all day, like in after school and stuff. And so, yeah. Was I proud of it? No, I was not. Nobody was proud of it. <laughs> like I had my, my cut, co- one of my cousins one time, she, she wouldn't, she didn't want to tell her friends that she like that they lived in the motel in in portland so all of them would come they thought 
she lived at my house. So she would have like slumber parties at my house and all her friends would come over and they're like, who's that? And she's like, Oh, it's just my cousin. He's just hanging out here. I'm like, it's my house. He's our servant actually. (laughs) Yeah. 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 That's why he's wearing the little suit. I made him wear that. Uh, but when I when I say pride, I don't mean necessarily in the motel itself, but like having a job or like working as a young person. Oh no, I didn't care about that. Yeah, no, I don't care. That's yeah. probably more healthy. I would have rather just not been working right. at all. I would get pissed if I had to do stuff because I just wanted to hang out with my friends, and it's the same. Th- I'm sure like anybody who had like jobs in middle school or high school, they're just like, I just want to hang out with my friends. I don't want to. Oh, not me, dude. I know you're proud of it. I was a psychopath. Yeah, oh, I was that's... really. I think it was because I was unwell though. Like I I liked having a job. Because because it meant that I wasn't pressured to have to hang out with people. Oh. But I was like, it was a different kind of situation, yeah. right? I it there there I'm glad we got rid of child labor in this country. Absolutely. And I want to say that directly to the camera. I am glad we got rid of child labor in this country. For me personally and for I think a couple like 1% of kids it's like get them in the mines. <laughs> they're not made they're not made for the schoolyard yeah the mines <laughs> get them in Direc- the mines go directly to the mines yeah <laughs> not like a hard job in them but just like yeah they're handing the guys the pickaxe oh yeah that sounds like a decent job actually. i think it would occupy yeah D- when uh when you graduated high school were you out of the motel like did you stop working there completely or yeah did you? well i went to college so yeah um yeah for like four years i didn't do anything there but then when i when i graduated and i didn't have anything else to do i went back and i worked at my my mom was managing a a motel at the time and then i started working back there again what kind of stuff are you doing there front i would do front desk oh that's good i was just working front desk yeah and then i would would do some bookkeeping for her but i would do some payroll stuff for her but mostly it was no uh, cleaning though no i didn't do any cleaning when i was a little kid we would do cleaning like we would help my aunt and she would give us, you know, the the stories like we, she would give us a quarter to yeah. do the cleaning. Um, but you never saw that quarter. I don't know if I ever got paid. <laughs> my my older brother and sister, like, or like my older siblings or whatever, they worked a little bit more with the cleaning and stuff like that. So now, motels are like notoriously sort of like uh, places of debauchery and uh and like strangeness did you experience any of that or yeah definitely what was the what was like the vibe of the motel that you were at uh i mean each one was different i would say like the one that i kind of grew up mostly in my aunt's motel was pretty like i would i thought it was normal but yeah it was a lot of like um weirdos i wouldn't say it was it didn't feel like a drug den or like people were, you know, having sex with prostitutes all the time. Be- but that happens everywhere. That everywhere. that happens at nice hotels. That, that happens, happens at there. the Four Seasons, yeah. But it, it was more like because it was in southern Washington and it was in like this small town and it was along the freeway basically. So it's like oh, for yeah. it's for locals and transients and just like people who don't have they can't get they don't have credit. Yeah. They don't have credit so they can't get an apartment. Interesting. You know what I mean? They they don't have any they don't have anything to their name. So the only the only place that they can live is at a motel. Well, that's so the messed up thing. A lot about, of them. Yeah. yeah to, no, Not, well that that's the messed up thing about And then truckers. And a lot of truckers and a lot of uh just, you know, trucker guests we'll call them. Yeah. <laughs> um but that's the messed up thing about like uh housing and stuff, I think in a big way is the fact that it requires so. I mean, like, just getting an apartment in LA. I don't know what your like uh, financial situation was moving here, but it's like when I first moved here, I was living with my cousin, and then 
as happens here, the landlord, uh, like their lease went up and the landlord was like, oh, we're going to renovate the house. So you guys are gone. Like you're out of here. So I had to find an apartment in Los Angeles. And I, I, when I was living in Boston, I was living on a friend's couch. So this this is my first time ever as an adult looking for an apartment. And I ended up just moving into the room of a buddy of mine who had like a mental breakdown and had to leave Los Angeles. And I like, I didn't sign a lease or anything. Dude. (laughs) I was so lucky. What, what luck? I was so he had a complete break with reality and had to move back to Iowa and I was like, "Oh my god, smiles upon me. This is great." <laughs> is he doing okay? He's doing okay now. Yeah. So good. It was for the best. It was know? for the best for everybody. Yeah, but yeah. like th- this apartment that we're in right now is the first one I ever like actually signed a lease on and sh- cuz it's I had to pay three months of rent up front. That's a lot, damn. It's a ton. And it's not like I have bad credit either. It's just like... That's they, crazy. They have so much leverage that, like, yeah, it, there's a uh, there's also there's a motel right down the street here. And uh, you, you see people who obviously live there, like, because I, you know, I see them every day for a month and I don't think... Or for months and months and I don't think that it's a super long vacation for them. <laughs> but, like... Yeah, it is uh, so interesting. That'd be the shittiest vacation. Dude, the worst vacation of all. It's like, man, this vacation requires a lot of smoking outside. (laughs) You're going to hang out in Hollywood and... uh, (laughs) The middle of Hollywood. The middle of Hollywood (laughs) in a motel for four months. Dude, I mean, rough, rough situation. But uh, now on your end, was there ever a feeling of like... uh, like frustration with the people that were like living at the motel because yeah i hate i mean they're i hated them like yeah. i <laughs> i didn't hate them because when i was a kid i would like play with a lot of the kids that were hanging out there and stuff and no it's like you're, you're a ki- I, obviously so, you're not beholden to any sort of like moral code or uh or whatever as like a child you're just gonna feel the way that you feel yeah but like when you why but, specifically did you feel like uh, like a disdain towards those people? Because they, it was like a mix of things. It was a mix of fair reasons and unfair reasons. Like yeah, fair reasons they were like racist, you know. Oh, interesting. And sometimes, yeah. not all of them. Some of them were totally fine people. Totally. But, you know, this is, again, this is like Southern Washington. It's mostly like a bunch of white people, and so. There's uh, an interesting. I I wasn't aware of this, but there's like a really heavy white supremacist. Like, yeah, I I don't know if I like experienced that in my no, hometown, but, but yeah, there is a big thing in especially or- I guess Oregon, like Port- yeah, Portland maybe. Uh, but yeah, there's there's I guess like I don't know the clan or whatever. But sure, it's mostly just you know American shit. It's just like America, right? But yeah, they were like I don't know. They're just like white trash, and so I like don't feel bad saying that now. <laughs> Like right. I or back then I was just like that was just white trash and so uh and like, you know, you resent them for just being like just around and like uh poor, <laughs> which is like unfair maybe, but No, it's uh, it's funny that you say Because they weren't always racist. I, they were just kind of I was just like I don't like you guys. No, it's funny that you say fair and unfair reasons because I think that that's like a really good way to look at it because it's like obviously they were being like racist towards you and your family. Yeah. Yeah. Any specific memories of that? Yeah, I mean people would like they're mad because, you know, they are getting kicked out for whatever they don't pay sure. or whatever. Sure. So, you know, they'll say racist shit. They'll be like, you know, go back to your country or whatever. And it's like, bro, you didn't pay. You didn't pay <laughs> for like a week. You know, you're do- you shit. You shit on the carpet. Right. <laughs> no, you're well, doing you're doing meth. <laughs> dude, this is. Uh, so it's like we, we you know, you can't stay here. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, and this is like the uh, the. I, again, this is it comes up on the podcast so much. I, I like I have to make fun of myself for it, but it's like it is really like a fucking capitalist. Thing. But when you think about that sort of thing, you are because of the necessity of the system, you're pitting two groups of people together that are inherently struggling. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's like we're not. Nobody's winning. I mean, no one's I winning. Guess, I guess we're winning. We're we own the motel, but we're but we're like, cleaning up after you. It's not. It, you're cleaning up after the person. Also, it's like you're running a business that I'm sure has thin margins that requires yeah. like a. Lo- I think about this all the time, where it's like uh, people treat the unhoused population like so poorly in Los Angeles and it's insane what they go through and it's really sad and one of the really sad things about it is you never hear like sometimes you'll hear people at the very top complain but it's mostly like small business owners versus unhoused people and the people that never weigh in are the ones that are actually like business like land developers and stuff you don't hear from them because they're hiring people to just sweep the entire sidewalk yeah they, they don't have to chime in they don't have to go in front of the camera it's like they're, they're ruining our city da, 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 da. the person who's doing that is just like a small business owner having an emotional reaction because it's like well they started their small business and like if someone you know lights a fire or something in front of their business like they're gonna be upset personally but when you look at the system that causes that to happen yeah. the people who create that system never have to really no the uh like land developers aren't coming to your motel and being like oh well actually this is our fault that they are not paying their rent because we like decimated the land that they lived and strip mined it like they don't have to do that no they well they and uh they want the land that's being used for them in the case of the motels and stuff like we would have like my mom was running a particularly like bad motel um <laughs> that was the one i was working at after college whoa uh and it was called the value motel it's not there anymore oh man that's a rough name the value motel yeah that's a rough name for a motel you don't it, change the name 20 21 dollars <laughs> 23 dollar rooms dude that's crazy 20, you know what it was it was 21 for a shared bathroom no color TV. <laughs> that oh. was that was the advertisement. No color TV, and then twenty three dollars with shared bathroom with a color TV, and then there were there were other rooms as well. That yeah, were like, that were like a little more pricey. We're eight, getting we're getting to the 45 yeah. Range. yeah, yeah. If you if you're a princess, the so that one when we took it over was there was a lot of uh, drugs basically. You know, yeah. it was just like people heard about it. They're like, I can do drugs here. So a lot of like meth, heroin, whatever, whatever else people were doing. I feel like those are the two, but those are the big ones. Yeah. Speed, speed, it's just <laughs> uppers and downers. One guy was right? doing Benadryl. Yeah. <laughs> Some loser. <laughs> One guy's smoking weed, I guess. <laughs> and he gets lumped in with all the rest. And you're like, get out of here. This yeah. isn't for you. Disgusting. <laughs> you disgusting cretin. <laughs> Uh, but they would write the city would like write articles about it, like this family runs the oh, worst it, because you man. know we would get the most. And it wasn't us particularly, but there was an apartment complex attached to it, and yeah. that look that whole property would get the most nine one one calls out of any other place in the city wow. in, in the year. There was like a couple of years in a row where it was like that, and it wasn't our fault. It was just like that's how it was. Sure, that, that's how the area oh, yeah. was. And so they would have articles written about that. But really what they wanted was the, you know, like city developers wanted the business shut down so that they could put like nicer things there. They want to put, they want to sell it to 
to chain restaurants and they want to put Applebee's there. They want to put like a Chipotle and stuff like that. Right. So they do want to clean things up, but it's not for the sake of helping those people. Cause it's like, once those people are gone, it's like what you're saying. Once those people are kicked out of the motel, they're still in the city. You're not shipping them off to another part of town. That, you know? the, this is what I, I always think when I think about like the change. And I think I would be so much happier if I didn't think about it. Like if I was just like, Oh yeah, like that's just the way things are and like moved on. But when, when I think about like, uh, the, process of like whatever kicking people out of let's say a motel or even like a tent that they're living in it's like the people who think that's an equitable solution for what's happening it's like i mean they're still alive so what is really the solution that's being made here like unless you are whatever giving them a one-way ticket to antarctica or something it's like this is gonna be something that like oh and obviously that would be a horrible thing to do but like i'm just like the logical conclusion of just moving the problem i just want to say i agree (laughs) of course you do yeah 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 and if you did we could talk for the record for the record um but it, it just seems like such a a horrible like mindset to be like oh well this motel seems to be having issues with people coming in and using drugs so instead of dealing with like the drug part we're just gonna level the motel where people are living yeah like is it better for people to be doing heroin outside is that the idea like let's get these people outdoors i don't know yeah they yeah well, they just want them to die. That that, that <laughs> they seems just, to be the logical they just wanna, conclusion. We, they just want to wait wait it out so that they die. D- but that's the like really sad thing is like that's the logical conclusion to their process of yeah. like cleaning things up is yeah. like yeah you just don't want these people to be alive anymore. Expiration. It's really sad. Yeah. Um. So you're working at the motel after uh, college. Is that when you started stand up or was it before that? I started in college. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, I started, like, because uh, I was in Seattle, so in I would city. go. I was I was on campus. I lived on campus, but I would go into, like, other parts of the city to do open mics. What, uh, what made you want to start? I did it in high school. I did some talent show thing or something like that, and I did some stand-up, and it was really fun. And I always wanted to do it again, but then I got caught up, like, studying, and then there but was— why- why pick it for the talent show? Why? 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 Pick I, I love comedy. I mean, yeah. I I watched a lot of stand up or not stand up, just stand up. But I watched a lot of comedy when I was in high school. I, when, when you say comedy, like what? What other kinds? Like other than stand up? Um, I was, I I think like because my stand up that I did for the that show in high school was um based. It was just basically the Tim Heidecker stand up. <sighs> Yeah, when he does it really badly. Yeah, and so I kind of just took that and I did that. Um, so you're so I watched first, a lot of those. Belen's first time on stage, you walk out there and you do ironic, yeah, stand up. Yeah, yeah, that is it, it. Crushed. That is so funny to me because it's so of like the time that we kind of. Yeah. Me too. I was like, certainly by the time I started doing stand up, I was like completely irony poisoned. Like in in my own way, like I I was watching Adult Swim um a lot that so not it's it just so funny that like because of the media that we were given not only were you like i want to do stand-up you were like i want to do stand-up and regular stand-up is so passe i'm going to like yeah essentially parody it yeah it was just a parody it was just literally what the whole tim heidecker thing is 
and I still think I, funny. I still think that idea is funny. Um, oh, absolutely. But that was like the only thing that I could uh, do at that time. That's it also. Was, I don't know what I would have done if I was doing sincere stand-up. Dude, well, that that's the funny thing that I went through, and I don't know how, what your opinion is on this, but it's like when I uh, when I started, there were like a few times I tried to have like, oh, I'm gonna have like a silly set, or I'm gonna do something, and I realized like. Oh, you can kind of only get away with doing this if you've kind of mastered the craft in a way, which I had not even begun to like learn how to do. Yeah. Um, you're asking if 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 I do like silly sets where I'm not taking it so seriously. Well, I I was I was just uh commenting on the fact that like uh I think when you're early in doing something, you're immediately trying to break the form. Like a lot of people have that oh, impulse. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. But I think a little bit of it, not not for you cuz it was your very first set, but I think if you do like maybe five sets then you're like I'm going to do something crazy on stage. A lot of it is like Maybe, and you can disagree with me, but I think maybe a level of, like, fear and looking at the daunting task of actually mastering yeah. this thing. Yeah. Because a thing about you, before we get more into this, um, and forgive me if this makes you uncomfortable, but it's like, the thing about you that really stands out is you seem to be someone that truly loves comedy. Like, yeah, you I like it a lot, not and not in this way of just like you like just doing it where obviously you do. It seems like you are in a way, in an essence. And I, I just get this from like posts and stuff that you make and like things that you say. But like you're almost in a way protective of the art form. Yeah, like, maybe a little bit, a, a little bit. Wh yeah. Where where does that does that just come from how much you enjoy it? Probably, I've probably just seen too much. No, I don't know. I, I, I felt that way when I started. I mean, I was doing it like a lot of irony stuff when I started, but at the same time, I hated bad comedy. Or yeah. I, or I just, I just hated stuff that I'd seen a million times. And even before I started, you just watch it on TV, so you know what the trends are. And then the more you do it, the more you see the trends, and you get a little, you know, more and more bored by the things you've seen. So. I'm protective in the sense that I'm trying really hard not to, I'm trying as hard as I can not to do what other people are already doing. Uh, obviously, you can't always do that. You just, you know, we're humans. We're we're all the same kind of. But yeah, that's how I'm protective of it. No, I guess that that's. Such I just want to make it not shitty. I yeah. just want I just want people to be entertained. <laughs> Dude, that is such, and it's a lost thing. Especially, it's so funny that you landed in Los Angeles. Yeah, I guess this city is in many ways so antithetical to the sentiment that you're sort of espousing right now because uh. it's like the, I, well just in in my opinion it's like this city is so much about uh form over function in many ways it's so much about like just get out there and do it and it doesn't matter like what all that matters is that like you get asses in the seats and that you're doing the thing there's like a big uh thought process on like Will you get uh like a hundred thousand Instagram followers and then you're a stand up comic? Yeah, and that's probably everywhere now. If it's here, that yeah. means it's kind of like permeated to every other city too, or, right? Or like will be soon. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like I, I tomorrow, think like a trickle down. Yeah, there's like a, a big trickle down effect <laughs> yeah. to that. But um, w when you say like you, because that's a great way to put it. Like you, you seem to hate bad stand up, and I think that that's just a comment on about how much you love 
good stand-up. Yeah, I love I love stand-up. I mean, I just uh, sometimes a little too much of a hater, but for the most part, I, I've always been somebody since I started. Like, I always watch open mics. If I'm host, not even if I'm hosting it, like I, when I was in Portland too, people, people can vouch for this. Yeah. <laughs> I would always like sit in the front row and you, really you still do. try well, to enjoy what other people are saying. Cause yeah. Here's the, the crazy thing about you is that like, uh, like in Portland stuff, like when you're first starting state, it's like now you've, you've really got a lot of time under your belt and you have a great act under your belt. And when you were in your open mic, you are still front row yeah. watching every act and like, attentively watching every act yeah there there was a guy uh in boston his name was uh john paul rivera and he was very similar in that way where he's just funniest guy on stage would get off stage i there was this one night and he would he 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 was like uh one of the first people that you watch and you go that's the way to act mm-hmm. and would people think like uh the acting that way and being really involved in thinking about like, well, I want to represent good comedy and I want to like limit as much bad comedy as possible. Like a lot of people think like, well, what's the point of that? Especially in, in like a oh, city really? where people are really career oriented. It's like, well, you're just shooting yourself in the foot because that's like a possible business connection that you could be making. But oh. because you're not booking them on your show, you're not like whatever. But, oh. um, I I seeing him it's like I think there's this and I'm this is about to sound so corny so get, prepare for like a high level of corniness that's all right there's like <laughs> a a level of like there's a monastic nature to stand up what does that like, mean like like monk like oh, nature okay. of stand up where it's like I think you're not only doing the craft but I think there's a level of like protection that is ingrained over because it's so easy for bad stand-up to exist and to permeate. And, like, I think there is, like, a level of accountability that is important when it comes to that sort of thing. But then you get into the other, which is what you're saying is, like, being too much of a hater, which I absolutely have been at, yeah, we at all certain do points We all go life. to the same mics. We all, we all, all go to the same We all have mic. bad attitudes some days. You oh, know? man. When, like, I, I still do have bad attitudes sometimes, and I try not to. I've, I've, I've definitely fought against it, like, over the last few years. And I think having, like, just a, the smallest itty-bitty pinch of success in stand-up has really helped even me out. But, like, before then, dude, if there was somebody that where I was, like, like that little chattery mind. Like, look at them. They're not doing anything. They're and then they get like some sort of an opportunity. Mm-hmm. And oh man, this is like a, like even just a few years ago, I would just be like, oh, God, like just cursing the heavens over <laughs> something that has nothing to do with me. You're on Mount Sinai, <laughs> dude. I would go breaking up. the tablets. <laughs> I would hike up there, dude, with a goat, and I would just scream, man. The goat would scream. You asked me to lead your flock, Lord. And you... You're like Job. You feel like Job. Everybody feels like Job in L.A. Everyone's Job, dude. No, there, there's a couple of non-Jobs, dude. Okay. They, I don't think people who go to um, Creation Coffee feel like Job. I think they Maybe feel, not. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think they feel like... They feel like Elijah. Yeah. <laughs> Did he get a chariot up to the sky? Let's say yes. Okay. For this, there's there's a lot of religious scholars that listen to this podcast, so they are going to hold you accountable for yeah. that. I know um, a lot about the Bible. <laughs> but, um, that, yeah, where did that come from? I went to a Christian school for, like, 
kindergarten through eighth grade. Yeah, you had to do stand up. Yeah. <laughs> you went from motel to Christian school. Yeah. You know? That's and I tried really to, funny. Tried to convert all the people that were Dude, at the motel. You were working. It's easy, place. the Bibles were already there. <laughs> no, I didn't convert anyone. <laughs> there was a I mean, you were working at the place where Jesus was born. True. You were that. You were the fucking homestead. You know what's funny is the I was gonna say this. You know the the motel I was talking about, mm-hmm. the the Value Motel. Now it is a methadone clinic. Wow. <laughs> it, it's like it's like housing for people that are. Uh, I think it's housing for people that are going through like drug withdrawal. That's kind of great. Yeah, and yeah. it's like there's a big it's, there's a big neon green cross. <laughs> yeah, where, where all the other signage used to be, and it looks really weird. It looks like a, you can I see mean, it off the freeway. That must seem like a weed dispensary. It looks like a weed dispensary, but it's a big <laughs> green a cross. Drug. It's a methadone clinic. Anyway, yeah. sorry. Go ahead. No, no, not at all. There's um, there's a lot of uh, methadone stuff in uh, in Boston and Cape Cod where I where I'm oh, from. Okay. So like I'm very yeah used yeah. to that stuff. Uh, but um, I, well, I, I actually wanted to go back uh, really quickly because when it comes to the the thing about like uh, caring about comedy and do, do you have that same level of frustration? Like if you see someone that you think and when, when we say bad comedy, let just to get on the same page, I don't even think we're talking necessarily about like comedy that we feel is like uh not for us because there's a lot of stuff that's not for us we're talking about like people who get on stage and whether it's intentional or not are essentially ripping something off yeah or it's tough yeah i would say ripping something off or i've just kind of seen what they're doing before i guess i guess we're saying the same thing yeah yeah is there like a level of uh anger when you see someone like that let's say doing well like do you have any of that yeah but i'm trying to get better at it yeah it doesn't affect it doesn't really affect me like in 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 reality it doesn't affect me because i can still do whatever i want to do um the thing i always go back to is like i think audiences are a lot smarter than people give them credit for i think people will let's say go to like i doing having done the road a little bit now i think people will go in front of a road audience and because they don't laugh at their stuff which might be a little bit more heady they'll go like oh well this crowd is dumb but i've seen like guys who are really masterful at the road i've seen them do incredibly like high brow whatever you want to call it It, that sounds like uh really dumb but like like material stand up yeah good good stand up but that also requires like a high level of thought but they just know how to package it in a way yeah it's almost like um like when i was in special needs classes like there's so many kids there that are really really smart but they the information and the way that they're being tested just isn't packaged in a way that's like for them necessarily so it's like you'll get in situations all the time where that is the case and you can write someone off as like oh well this crowd is this this crowd is that and it's just like that's not the case so when it comes to a lot of that stuff it's like i i do sort of defer to outside of my taste a lot where if i go like oh well this is this like form of stand-up is bs but a lot of like crowds like it a lot of the time and not to be a populist but a lot of the time i am like well, maybe there's something here that I'm not necessarily seeing. It's a good place to start. Um, yeah, being open is never bad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm trying to get better at that, especially with, like, stand-up that I would kind of write off. I try to watch it. It's 
It's really tough, though. I have no success, so I get jealous, basically, when I see stuff. And sometimes I'm right, and sometimes you see the stuff that's popular, and yeah. you're like, no, this this doesn't this doesn't help me. Like, I'm not ever going to do anything like this. I don't want to do anything like this. I don't care if it's doing well. And then sometimes you learn something from it, and that's good, too. Oh, I, and yeah. I, I actually understand. It's like, um, not to get, like, too personal, but... With like how good you are, and, and you're you're the kind of person where like uh, there there's a lot of comics in our circle that go like you're their like favorite comic in the scene and stuff, uh, and uh, not to butter your bread or anything. And I'm sorry if that's making you uncomfortable. It, it's just true. Uh, uh, no, it's nice. Yeah. W- when when you say like uh, I don't have a lot of obviously obviously you're running like good shows now, which is great. Yeah. But w- like, what do you think? Do, is, is there anything in mind that you think has contributed to that, or do you think it's just the fact that, like, well, the system is sort of a crapshoot? It's probably something I need. Well, I, I can always say that the system is a crapshoot, but it won't help me. So I guess I'll just say that there's probably some packaging that I need to do. But I get right. better at that as I get older. Like, every, you know how you're saying that? How people who do the road a lot, they know how to package their material for yes. anybody? Yeah. I've gotten a lot better at that. I mean,. I still have the same sense of humor as I did when I first started. I'm still that like I I still have a lot of irony in what I talk totally. about and how I talk about things. I still think the same stuff is funny, but I'm better at communicating that to random audiences, you know. It's not just my friends who think I'm funny anymore. It's not just if I'm at an open mic and other comics who see me all the time get my material. Like I know right. how to do shows and I get self-conscious, but then the other day I was thinking, like, oh, I did a few shows this week, and they were all different audiences, and most of, like, pretty much none of my friends were in the audience in any of those shows. Yeah. And it went great, and that's the same way that I would talk to my friends and make them laugh, so. That's I must so have, good, I must dude. have gotten better at, like, communicating. It's I'm, I think I'm becoming a better person. Yeah. So, oh. so I, think, I think I'm better at, like, communicating. Dude, as, it, it's like what I was saying. Like, it, it just took a few years for me to go from this mindset of, like, really kind of darkness when considering my peers to this mindset of like well it doesn't i i always i always think of it this way it's like you can lament as much like, i i think about this a lot with uh the the nepo baby conversation where it's like a- absolutely like maybe nepotism is something to look at and consider when you're looking at the grand scope of hollywood but when i look at that it's like okay well i can't work harder at having parents in the industry yeah what does that have to do with me i don't have anything and the people who complain the most about it like or the people that i've experienced complaining the most about it are people where it's like well you could be doing more work like for yourself it's like i it it is like really upsetting that probably like you have more challenges in the industry because your parents aren't you don't have like the certain advantage but yeah also you don't have to do entertainment you could go to school (laughs) you could (laughs) have to do entertainment you could you don't you don't have to have fun (laughs) there's so much less barrier to entry you you move to columbus the houses there are like 90k dude when my when my uh <laughs> They're so cheap over there, dude. dude. Everything's I go on better. Redfin and <laughs> Ev- everything's better. Yeah, the houses, the like, the people there are a little bit nicer. They're not all trying to be fucking famous. They have White Castle over they there. They have White Castle. <laughs> um, no, one of the things that uh, that I really miss when uh, my dad was alive is he would call me. I, I had just moved to L.A. He, he was only alive for like three months when I moved to L.A. And he would call me, and he would go, buddy. There's a lot of good apprenticeships for stonemasonry you could get into over there. Yeah, you should. Or it, it, he he was trying to get me into electrical, 
any like like mm. it were like, really really any crack. He, every time he called me, it would be a different. Th- he would be like, yeah, you should really like you should get into like uh, whatever kind of uh, union there is. Good. Electrical is yeah. great. Yeah, and I, every time he said that, I I never wanted to jump at it because I was like, well, no, I'm I'm like this is the thing that I've wanted to do forever. But um, every time he did it, it grounded me in this way because I realized like, oh, there are other options for me i'm just choosing to not take them like this is just kind of the path in life that i've chosen to do so when i hear like the the whatever the like uh oh well like nepotism is like rampant in hollywood i i go like and i feel comfortable talking about this because whenever anyone is like oh well nepotism doesn't really matter they'll go back into their history be like oh well you're fucking blah, blah, blah. And, and it's like what? i'm so com- like like oh well your grandma worked for pixar or whatever oh, oh but, um, like people going to your past and I'm, stuff i'm very your, your parents don't. i'm very comfortable with people going into my past and realizing my that- mom laid the bricks for the paramount <laughs> studio of course he of course he's a, a successful she wasn't even laying bricks for she was laying bricks for like outside of like uh prisons yeah she worked a prison once uh she laid like cobblestones outside of uh like fisheries like it was oh. not it was yeah. not like a, a path lined directly to hollywood for me and i'm sure i'm not for you either you were I don't think uh, Kevin Bacon stayed at any of your motels. No, and I would still only be—I would still be six people away from him, <laughs> even if he did. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, yeah. I'm still you might—you might have been seven, dude. <laughs> Just to give you a little bit—that's how not—that's how I'm. How much I didn't benefit from nepotism? I was seven degrees from Kevin Bacon. Kevin, my mom's like Kevin needs a plunger. So gonna <laughs> go to Kevin's room. He needs a plunger. I did a lot of plunging. Like you can make it. You can make it, kid. Yeah. <laughs> um. Hey, can you plunge my shit? I'm trying to fuck this prostitute. <laughs> it's, it smells like shit in here. <laughs> yes, sir, Mr. Bacon. Yes, Mr. Bacon. If that is your real last name, <laughs> Kevin Bacon. He doesn't use a fake name. That's how much he doesn't care about your mother. He's like, these people don't have any way to... My name is Kyle Ham. <laughs> <laughs> John Ham. My name's John Ham. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, we're still going to send media to your room either way. Yeah, he's like shooting up heroin. He's like, yeah, let me tell you some stories about Footloose. (laughs) Damn, it's Kevin Bacon again. We thought it was going to be John Hamm in this hotel room. We had a lot of Kevin Bacon. Yeah, we had a lot of celebrities at the Value (laughs) Motel. It was a lot, mostly local celebrities. It was like the sign spinner for like Liberty Mutual. You know, (laughs) he was addicted to meth. I one mean, time you have to be in that career. One time I saw a kid that I did Boy Scouts with. He was definitely <laughs> having sex with a prostitute. I saw him just walk through the parking lot at 5 a.m. one day. I was like, he was wearing a, <laughs> the funniest thing. He was he's wearing. wearing the uniform. <laughs> 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 he was. He had three badges. This one's for head. <laughs> he's wearing, yeah, he just got the prostitute merit badge. This one's for paying the exact amount at the end. <laughs> <laughs> my least favorite thing was my least favorite experience that's like burnt not my least but burned into my brain is i hated this one time this guy got a mo- got a room with this girl who's clearly like it was maybe his girlfriend but probably a sex worker yeah 
and he like he gets the room and he's like winking at me and stuff. I'm like, I don't care, man. Oh, he he's goes, winking at you. Yeah, he's like really excited. Oh, that's gross, dude. And then and then he goes, he has <sighs> he goes into the room. Hour later, he comes back and he like drops the key off with me. You don't have to do that, by the way. You no. can leave just for everybody. You can leave the key in the room. Yeah, you don't have to bring it back. Totally fine. To but do he br- that. he brought it back and he like and he like winked again and I was like, Ugh, God, dude, I don't care. Yeah, dude. There's something uh, I talk about this a lot because I, I worked a lot of like blue collar jobs. There's something about performative male horniness that yeah. really disgusts me. And I feel like to a point where maybe it, it like exiles me from certain like dude kind of conversations mm. because I I just got so every time there was a guy who worked with me who made any mention to a woman he found attractive. I'm just the clock just starts for how long it's gonna take for him to say something horrible about wait so like to her or like about no her? literally like like about her to me yeah no he's not like I mean thankfully he's not subjecting the the woman to the, well sometimes they would like I I was definitely in a when I was like a uh, 15 I worked for a uh, town and there was guys who would drive around in town trucks and like catcall women essentially yeah and like honk at them where it's like that is. You're How many people were in this town? Was it like a big town or probably, So it was well. it, it was not not like a like small town. Wareham, Massachusetts is where it was. So it's like not a small town, but definitely not like a huge city or anything. So not everybody knows everyone. But but there like there's a level of not everyone knows everyone, but there's like you could definitely 7 degrees to Kevin Bacon back to that guy. Yeah. Like oh this guy like someone would know that guy for sure. It was like a really weird thing to do. It's a lot of like honking at your niece's friend. Dude. <laughs> she's like <laughs> You should know she's fourteen. Yeah, your yeah, niece yeah. is also fourteen. Maybe right, they're be. walking together eating ice cream. That's not her babysitter or anything. Yeah. No, yeah, it, it, it's like gummo. Like, have you seen gummo? Um, but uh, but yeah. So like with uh with stuff like that, I kind of like. I mean, it was just like so fucking awful that I I just could not like that. Th- like when you're like he's winking at me, it's like I don't need to know that you're horny right now. Man. Yeah, I'm. I feel no connection to you. I don't feel any connection. I'm I'm I I'm horny, you know. But we don't need to. We don't need to share this horniness. Yeah, I don't know what it, what like. What are we gonna what What are we gonna solve together? I guess if if my if my like really good friend. Uh, ha- like sleeps with somebody that he's really excited about. Okay, I'll be like, hell yeah, dude. I'll like give you whatever. But if it's just some guy, why would I? Why would I? Ca- why would I want to be involved in this in any way? I don't know. But um, they, they do. They. I don't know. I. Yeah. I'm not. I'm with you. I don't. I don't feel that. I don't do that with my friends even really that. I much. don't either. Yeah, dude. I, I feel don't like either. it's a little weird. I'm just. I mean, you know, there's. There's context where I do, but sure. for the most part, I'm kind of like, <laughs> you know, I don't know how much we need to share with each other or also, be excited for each other. Most of my friends are like uh, incredibly neurotic, depressed comedians. It's like, I don't want to throw you for a loop, like talking about my good times. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't want to like throw you make for a loop, you think yeah. about your like your life. Like there's no need for that. Yeah. But um, when... uh. When did you decide to move to Los Angeles? Probably, I think I moved here like five years ago, maybe. What um, What made that choice for you? I was just kind of bored in Portland. I wasn't yeah. doing much. I was just working 
random jobs, you know. <clears throat> I wasn't working at the motel. I was just working random, like, serving or whatever. Yeah. Doing comedy. And uh, there's only so much you can do there or so much I felt I could do. And a lot of my friends were already living here. A lot of my friends from Seattle, like, where I, who I started with doing comedy, had moved here a long time ago. Right. So I was like, oh, I already have a bunch of friends there, and I do want to do comedy, and I can't really get any further in Portland doing what I want to do. So interesting. I just kind of decided it was time to move. When you said I think I also like went through a breakup like a year before that, so it, it felt like a good. It felt like a good time to yeah. move forward. It felt like a thing where I was like, I'm moving forward. There's so many things that are like not tying me to this city anymore. When, when you when you said that you felt like there was nothing more in Portland for you. Like, in terms of, you just feel like you kind of capped out in the, uh, like, the level that you, like, you could do any show that you wanted to, and you've kind of, like, maxed out on that? Maybe. No, I wasn't, I wasn't even really the most popular comedian in Portland by any means, but... Uh, That's funny, because you won Portland's most popular comedian. Yeah, I one did. Year, which is I, crazy. I did, yeah. Um, I wrote that. That was nepotism, though. That was a... <laughs> yeah, my mom wrote that article. <laughs> she she created a competition. She rented out helium. <laughs> and <laughs> All your family members and the people who were staying in the motels came? Yeah. We did a, a clap-o-meter, and we filled it with... Um, Everyone who didn't nod off was super loud. Yeah. Uh, so I just kind of felt like I wanted to be around... There's there's good comics in Portland, but I just knew that there's LA's bigger and that there's going to be more stuff. Totally. So I just decided it was time to go. It wasn't anything like I wasn't like it's time. It's time to be famous. No, oh me neither, dude. I was also old, man. I was like 27. I wasn't. I wasn't a young dude. <laughs> not old. 27. Not not old. Not old, but I'm in not some. Up. I'm not some 22 year old kid that's like right. I'm, I'm going over to Los Angeles. Bing, 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 yeah, I got, <laughs> I got my banjo and my bindle, and I'm going. I'm <laughs> just a young buck. <laughs> uh, I'm 27. I'm a grown man at that point. And uh, 22 year olds love saying, "I'm just a young buck." Yeah, <laughs> they they never stop saying. That. Yeah, yeah. One day I'll be an old stallion, but yeah, right now I'm just a young buck with a, a, a can-do attitude and a granola bar in my bindle. Um, it's like you could put the granola bar in your pocket if you wanted to. You yeah, know? actually, it, nice, it gets nice and warm seems there. Seems to be a performative bindle at a certain level. Yeah, I do regret coming here with a bindle. <laughs> <laughs> people did think I was lame. Yeah, it hurt you right away. It, people did not want to book me on their shows. But but things seem to do, like, things seem to be going in a really good, just from my perspective, it's like, your, your shows are great. Dude, the clips I have seen from the... Uh, Indian movie watch party. Oh, yeah, oh my god! When did you start doing that? We started that before the pandemic, actually, and we we only got a chance to do one show, and then the pandemic happened. Would you mind describing what the show is? Yeah, so it's called Dishoom Comedy, um, or I guess Dishoom Dishoom, but on Instagram it's called Dishoom Comedy, and we it's basically like mystery science theater, but with Bollywood action movies. So we just roast. We we take um, our favorite clips from a particular movie. And then we just roast them in front of an audience, and then we'll bring over an, a comedian, uh, to a couple comedians per show, and they'll kind of guest with us and roast the movie with us. It's Dude, really fun because I think a lot of people. It's such it's such a time for that because like so many people were exposed to RRR. Yeah. And, like, but what I I think a lot of people don't understand. It's almost like when uh, when Jackie Chan came to America and people were exposed to like the level of 
intense choreography and like just beauty. how cool it was yeah just how cool it was like a similar thing i think is happening to like the movies in india where like that style of like the hyper stylized action and it's there's something so beautiful about it to me personally i'd love to get your take on like why you like those movies but there's a level to those action sequences where in america hyper realism has become like kind of important like at least with john wick or whatever where it's like we're gonna send keanu reeves to like gun school for two years and the all the moves he's using are like technical jujitsu and stuff like that yeah and in india they're like no he's gonna pick up a car here because it's fun yeah yeah i love that aspect of it yeah they're they're fun man like they they know exactly what they're doing. They know how to entertain people. They know, like, Indian people know how to be entertaining, I would say. Yeah. Uh, with everything. They're just such, they're just so smart with knowing how to make things as fun as possible. So, I'm all for it. It's like, you know, here we have, we do have movies like Fast and the Furious. And, like, I like those movies because yeah. they're still, like, really crazy. Right. Um, great example of like but, America yeah. version of but that. I also think it's crossing over because I think like those movies get crazier because um, they have to perform well in China and yes. India now yes the, those movies especially like Vin Diesel has to perform well in Asia uh, in order to you know continue his success so there's got to be some crossover like they have to know what each other are doing that's what's so interesting <clears throat> about an international market is a lot of the time you'll you'll see a movie and you'll go like how does how did they like uh, justify a like hundred million dollar budget on this movie? And it's like, well, because it's not just in your country, dude. Like, there's yeah. more countries that this is yeah playing have, to. Pe- people have money everywhere now. The the biggest example of that, where how important and like powerful and vibrant those markets are, is John Cena had to apologize. Yeah, well, apo- learn Mandarin and then apologize. <laughs> For saying that Taiwan was for, its own country, it, it, that dude, that story, <laughs> so funny. For, for the people that that don't know, and correct me if I, because I, I only kind of know a, a version of this, but essentially, John Cena for years and years learned <clears throat> Mandarin. I believe it's Mandarin. Learned Mandarin, uh, because he wanted to be the the guy to break into the scene of China. He wanted to bring W. He, he was like, because oh, he's okay. He's such a driven dude he's like i'm going to expand our market into china uh so he, he spent years and years and years learning the language and then one of the first things he said really made people in china angry because it i believe differentiated taiwan from china which people in china did not like and then he had to apologize <laughs> In perfect, but I think it's still. I still don't think people have completely forgiven him, and I think that it did <laughs> like essentially ruin the rollout they were trying to do. Yeah, well, I don't know. I don't know what the business plan was for him, uh, or if it was just like he was going to be in a movie, or is that what you I, mean? I think it was. I, I think he wanted to bring WWE to China. Oh, WWE. I think that was cool. the cha- that that was the plan for him. Yeah. yeah. Well, he still got India, man. They love wrestling in India, yeah. so he could bring it over there. There was a bodybuilding movie I saw, like clips of mm. out of India. It's so. F- oh, send it to me. I don't know. I've oh, I, I'll that. I'll show you the clip. Yeah, the, um, my buddy Nate uh sent it to me initially, but like it's the it, again so highly stylized. Everybody's oiled up. It's it's just great. Did, so did you uh you grew up watching those movies? A little bit. I I definitely stopped watching them after a certain point. You're just like oh, I want to be a man. American. I want to watch American stuff, but yeah, when I was a kid, we would watch like my family would watch a lot of those movies together. Less action. It was more 
in the 90s, early 2000s, there was, like, a lot of romance and a lot of, like, rom-coms, um, some action, for yeah. sure. But now uh, it's... I, w- I don't want to say now. I think there's always action, but um, definitely, like, what I focus on more now is I watch a lot of action movies. I watch everything, though. Now, <clears throat> there, I wanted to go off of something you said about, like... Um, and I, I agree with you completely. It's like uh, Indian actors are just such great entertainers. And this this like level of pure entertainment where I think a lot of them are like, I'm going, I'm not just going to like, I'm going to learn how to dance. I'm going to learn how to yeah. sing. If this movie, if people w- like want to have a dance number at the end, we're just going to do a dance number at the end because it's what people, uh, it's what people want. When you see that, like, were you kind of always aware of the differentiation between, like, uh, Indian performers and American performers in that way? No, I didn't think about it much, honestly. It's so funny because the one parallel I have with that is, like, things like Kings of Comedy and stuff where they would do, like, like, Cedric the Entertainer will do, do, like, a big dance number. Uh, But, yeah, I think there's a lot of reserve when it comes to American performers in a big way. Yeah, reserve, like, they just want to do one thing. Kind of want to do one thing or kind of precious about that one thing. I think it's just the it's just the culture. It's, like, some people have to be able to do everything. Like, don't, like, don't, isn't there, like, uh, in in theater in America, like, Broadway, don't people have to be able to be triple yes. threats? Yes. And then also, like, I feel like gay people in America who have been wanting to do entertainment, they have to be way more talented. That, and so they have to be able to sing and dance and stuff like that. That's kind of what I was uh, I was getting at. The, the question I wanted to ask is, like, when it comes to uh, people who and, are... And black people in America yeah. have to be more talented just to get the same amount of uh, success, kind of. Which is why which is why I brought up uh, Cedric the Entertainer, because it's like, when it comes to those sorts of things, do do you feel like it's sort of an inherent thing for people that Hollywood has essentially closed the door on for years to have to like? Yeah, you have to be talented. You have to be really talented. Yeah. Do Do you feel like you still have to for everybody? Do Do you feel like there's at least somewhat of a slight seed change when it comes to specifically like representation of Indian people in Hollywood? Seed change, like what? What do you mean? And, and like, do do you feel like it's getting better? Probably. Um, I see more Indian people. I, it's hard for me to say because, like, I notice them because I'm Indian. So I'm like, hey, right. that guy's Indian. Right, like, right, right, I'm right. Like, yeah, that girl's Indian. Right. Uh, I think it's getting better, though. I feel like when I see stuff on TV, I always see, like, an Indian person on there. Yeah. Like, it's also an easy way to have diversity to where people oh, are yeah. like, uh, he he kind of talks like white. He's like American. Interesting. It's not, he's not that foreign. So we'll just get him instead of getting like uh, actually having uh, another group represented or something like that. Oh, that's it. So, so you feel as though sometimes you feel as though sometimes they they're uh, taking like a, a route of being like, well, this it's a is middle a, road. <laughs> yeah, th- this is a person that maybe won't like be threatening to the audience in a way. Yeah, they always do that, right? They do that yeah. with every race for sure. Absolutely. But Indian people are sometimes can be a good road into that. Dude, where the like, fact that there is still news voice is crazy. To what's me. news voice? When like. And now coming up, but everybody, it doesn't yeah. matter what race or background you're from. Oh, you talk yeah, like yeah. this on the news. This is how you, it's like, dude, why are we doing that? Well, it's fun. 
<laughs> yeah, I guess, I guess it is kind of exciting to talk like this. It is fun to talk like that. Um, but yeah, it's just be, it's just some old tradition. Old tradition stuff that I think is like, I, I guess because everybody watching the news is like 80 years old. So if they if they see like a black person, they're like, well, he, he better he better talk he, real. He better yeah. talk exactly like my dad. Walter talks. Cronkite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> everyone talks like um yeah everyone just talks like like a. 1920s radio performer dude that's, that's what the, it like sounds the, like like the me. guy who did war of the worlds <laughs> it's crazy yeah yeah they all talk yeah that it's it, it's insane to me that that's like still a norm and we're all just like oh yeah that's cool that like everybody has to talk a certain way to get on the news it's like yeah i'm trying to think of people who don't do that i'm, I'm sure it, it's probably like changing slowly but only daytime television like the view yeah 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 exactly like, like the view they can talk however they want and there's there's like other shows that are uh, almost uh branches of the view like like or spinoffs of the view where people very much don't but like yeah. when you talk about nightly news i think because the audience skews so old there's like a level of comfort that they have to give to the old viewers where it's like no don't worry this guy is not gonna have any sort of like pattern of speech that's gonna upset you <laughs> old you know, white people you know what i hate about the news i only see if i'm at my mom's house i don't have cable but it's loud what kind of news is she watching she'll watch like nightly news sometimes yeah. she'll just have it on and stuff it's just so loud it's like yeah. i don't know about the sound mixing on it or something but it's incredibly like it just gets in your ear you gotta get through the hearing aids yeah you gotta I, pound through the hearing aids you might dude. be right about I, that I, I, might, it might just be because it's catered towards old people yeah. i really do think yeah. i mean those are the only people that i know that are like, like watching that she'll be watching tv and then it turns to the news and it, they just pump up the volume on that Maybe, dude. If I if and you're then like, my mom forgets to turn down the volume or something. If you're like a young, I've only <laughs> met one young person who watched the news, and they essentially did it ironically. Mm. That's the only person my age that I know who like has the news on in there. It's tough, yeah. I think like people our age, if you're if you are into the news, you're just going online. You know, you just want to be a news anchor. Like if you're into the news, like uh, the if you're nightly, into the, the nightly, nightly news. news, yeah, yeah. No, I mean if you're if you're young and you're into the news, you're on YouTube and you're going down a rabbit hole that'll eventually like turn you into like a nofap guy with an AR-15. Like that's if you're yeah. young and you're into the news. But yeah, I I just can't imagine another. It's interesting that the nofap is crossed over with the AR-15. I I mean they go hand in hand, don't they? I, I guess so. Yeah, I'm not sure how, but there, the I, I think some... the more uh, semen you retain the more you want to shoot a gun. I think it's very, I think it's a very kind of like right, yeah, the one gun to it, one. The whole the gun is the dick thing. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. It does make the whole more, se yeah, coming, coming is, coming leads to peace. <laughs> <laughs> right? And this is the platform I wanted to get to yeah. this whole time. Yeah. Make sure you're busting. Make it's, sure you're busting. It's good for the country. The We should, we sh somebody should correlate the numbers of busting with mass shootings like how Dude, much people are busting there is I, i'm gonna go ahead and say and this is a pretty crazy assertion i would say no one who has committed a mass atrocity had orgasmed within the hour before then because yeah. i don't think it would have happened if yeah. that was the case i really do think a lot of those people because sometimes they come during the that I guess that is true. Yeah. But I wonder if after that they're like, oh, I didn't have to do all this because like well, they're embarrassed. Yeah. There, there's many a time where I'll be going through like a level of existential crisis, and I mean true. Ex I'm like 
questioning my reality. I'm questioning every choice I've made. I'm like, why am I on this planet? Why am I doing what I'm doing? Like, why am I doing comedy? Were my decisions bad? Did I like blow this one chance at life that I had? And then I will, uh, I will come and I will go, oh, I'm actually fine. Yeah. I'm actually, everything's good. (laughs) And you look around and there's 40 people dead around you. (laughs) I'm like, oh no. You're at the grocery outlet. Oh, dang it. I um, should have never gone to the value motel yeah. before doing this. <laughs> no shooting. No, very little vi- uh, violent crimes at, oh, the, at the motel. Very few violent crimes. A lot of like, anyway, what I was going to ask was, um, did you shoot guns growing up? Um, Not often, but I, I was like, my, my family was very, very uh, left. But, uh, oh, well, cool. my, my mom and grandma particularly were very left. So oh, cool. they, they were uh, very anti-gun. But there's a town over from mine, Rochester, which is like a lot of gun owners. It's a, it's a very kind of like rural isn't necessarily the right word, but very spread out and stuff. So a lot of people there own guns. And I would like go shooting with a guy that I worked with sometimes. Like I, I've I've shot guns on like a number of occasions. Yeah. How about you? Yeah, me too. Uh, I was in Boy Scouts, so we shot like 22s quite yeah. a bit. Um, and then I've one time uh, I did. I did martial arts. This <laughs> is kind of weird, but I did martial arts and I got high enough into it where I would be doing classes with teenagers and adults, you know, like a lot of martial Whoa, arts. It was like yeah. strip mall. Comp- my, my teacher was very knowledgeable. How old were you? Uh, at this time, I was 18. What uh, what kind of martial art? Uh, it was ka- Kaju Kempo Tampai. So it was a mixed martial art. Okay, but but like uh, based on Kempo Karate in a big way? Yeah, so okay. Kaju Kempo is an acronym. I don't I'm not good at fighting so I don't want people to like see this and think that I fight. I I do kickboxing and stuff yeah. and I rarely talk about it because I'm I don't bad want, at it. I'm I, really bad at it. I don't want people to think I'm like a fighter but uh it's like an acronym for karate, ju- judo, jiu-jitsu, yeah. uh kempo and then Chinese boxing. Oh cool. And then the tampai is like the offshoot. It's actually started it's actually really cool like it started in yeah. Hawaii where people just needed to learn how to defend themselves just because there's like they lived in rough neighborhoods so that's where yeah. this particular mixed martial arts started in the 50s and apparently the cool fact about it is like when you got far enough into it this was like the lore of the martial art is they would send you into a bad street with a hundred dollar bill sticking out of your pocket yeah. and then you'd have to defend yourself I have no idea if that's true Dude, that, well, that's well, just the lore just to of, give a little bit of, of yeah. credence to that so hawaii is a really famed I, i'm i'm really into like boxing and mma yeah. hawaii is a really famed place when it comes to fighters and bj penn one of the like uh, greatest fighters in ufc history from hawaii has a really funny story where he grew up in like really rich but he was so crazy yeah. that he would just go to the bad neighborhoods and just like fight, get his ass kicked, like all that stuff. Yeah. And it's funny because when you think of Hawaii, you don't you don't really think of that. But because of it's, it's pretty poor. It's funny to say this, but I think my worldview, there's like a few things that have really expanded my worldview, one being comedy. But another one, I think mixed martial arts has really expanded my worldview in a really weird way, because if it weren't for knowing about that, I would truly think like Hawaii was just like complete paradise and like nothing but it's like mm. no there's really like rough parts of hawaii yeah i yeah i agree yeah i yes there are but uh when you're doing the martial art wh- what makes you walk into the gym you just want to learn how to fight me yeah 
my my so the motel that my aunt's motel was yeah. right next to the strip mall where the marsh where his school was okay and my brother would do it when he was you know older like teen teenager and i would see him doing it and i was like five i started yeah. when i was like five well okay and i just i just kept doing it it was like a good thing to like keep me focused i had like you know issues or whatever growing up so it was like a very it, it like it was a good form of like discipline and like i just stuck with it through like years and years and years and totally it was like you you know that was like my <clears throat> my mentorship or whatever you want to call it that like kept me focused i guess i think you kind of need that in yeah a way, I, like, I needed it for yeah. sure so i'm i'm lucky that i found it but at a certain point it wasn't doing it wasn't helping me anymore so i just stopped do you feel like it gave you a level because another thing uh about you is like i i I don't know if you feel this way, but you exude a level of confidence that's like really that's nice. high. Oh no, I don't feel that. You don't way. feel confident. Uh, I do more now. I'm because I'm 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 getting I'm 32 now, and I don't want to be the 30 year old guy who is still shy. Are you Are you aware that like <laughs> I don't want to? I don't want to be the. I think that's, that's a, so funny that you say that because yeah. no, I I think that you like you kind of I, I was kind of scared of you start like uh, when I well, met you I just I have a I have like a kind of like a D look on my face sometimes I don't I don't yeah. know if it I don't know if it's cuntiness you just have this like you have a level of uh intensity I think yeah that, I know. that but that's hilarious the, that's <laughs> great for comedy <laughs> I think it is. aren't those the funniest people I, I really think like, it is. George Carlin was the most intense guy of all time yeah, but like but. I, I do I do think it is. I said funny. No, he's, that's, funny. he's, funny. <laughs> no, he's funny. Yeah, we're taking you down, George Carlin. <laughs> yeah, <so laughs> That'll really show him. Yeah, he's funny. <laughs> um, but uh, when it comes to like, it's it's so funny like talking, to, like sitting down. Like this is kind of the first long conversation we've ever had. Yeah, and I I think that there's something really nice about it because. Like we can do this anytime, man. Absolutely. No, it doesn't have to be the podcast. No, anytime. Yeah, but um, you want to when it uh when it comes to like uh the t- talking to someone, having this perception of them, and then like you 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 realize like oh this person actually isn't like confident all the time. <laughs> it's he's a loser. It's really inter- oh yeah. This guy's a dork. This guy sucks. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's not even funny. Wait a minute. This guy sucks. I've been talking to him for forty five minutes. He hasn't made me laugh once. <laughs> You've made me laugh a few times, <laughs> and I haven't. Thanks. I haven't been. I, I, I've always wanted these conversations. Like, there's really riffy podcasts, and okay. those are those are great. So and this I, is okay. I, I want to make people laugh when they watch it. This is much. I watched Terrence's episode. He's so funny, and I'm like, yeah, I want. I want to make people laugh as much as as much as Terrence. <laughs> Terrence, which is impossible. You have to have not a, possible. You have to get a lot more <laughs> mental illness under your belt before then. Maybe you got to really get in the dojo, dude. Yeah. But uh no and we're gonna have Terrence on again soon. I, I do love him very much. But um yeah yeah when uh when you were doing the martial arts, what made you want to stop? I you know I went to college basically. I almost didn't want to get. I hate like talking about this because I don't want people to think I'm like good at fighting. No no one's no no. I've no. been in like one fight in my life and it was just like me beating up my cousin. That so, rocks. So I'm not. So you're. So I'm a I'm a dork. So man, you're trying to convince people that you're not good at fighting and you're telling everyone you have a one and zero record. A one and zero record. Yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> undefeated. Yeah. I'm, I'm undefeated. Yeah yeah TKO technically. But, <laughs> oh but it was, uh, yeah. <laughs> um. I quit doing I could have continued to do it in college but it was um it was a lot of pressure it was basically just putting a lot of pressure on me I think my my teacher had a lot of good qualities but he had this intensity that was like I don't know pushing me 
to the degree where I was like, I don't really like the person I'm becoming. And so I think that's why I kind of got Whoa. into comedy because I wanted to focus on fun things more than um, intense stuff. Whatever was whatever road that was taking me down. He was pushing you into like what? Like competition stuff? No, not even that. It's just, uh, you know, you've, I'm sure, I don't know if you played sports, but like you have coaches or whatever people that are just like want to push you as far as, or like for me, like I didn't, my dad didn't, you know, I didn't really have my dad to do that for me or whatever, but I know a lot of people do. So sure. it was kind of maybe a little bit of like a father figure thing. And Dude, I kind of like shied away from that. So I, I didn't want people. that. I don't need that, you know? Yeah, of course. But, but so many people get into martial arts to like replace the the father figure. <laughs> oh really? Like I didn't job. I didn't know that. That's oh, funny. Dude, I that's probably why I was doing it. I know, always but. say martial arts are for kids that don't have their dads around and for dads that don't hang out with their kids ever. Oh, that's kind of like the okay. that's a if you go to any jujitsu school, that's that's a big portion of the That makes a lot of sense actually. People there. Yeah, yeah, it's really funny. But um the people that were most intense about it like myself, I was very intense about it at my school that I went to. So yeah. was was your dad just not around a lot? Yeah, it's it's kind of complicated, but yeah, I was like uh, he was he was like around, I guess, but yeah, like I grew up with a single mom, basically. in and out kind of dad. Yeah, it's it's yeah, I would say so. That complicated. That's but. kind of an old. I feel like a lot of dads were like that back in the day, where it's like, oh yeah, we see dad like sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> I had a lot of friends like that where the, where it, it was really complicated to me. Like I had this buddy, and his dad coached my like uh, middle school basketball team. Yeah, and dude, he, this guy reeked of cigarettes. He was just so. Like, and he was weird, and he was, like, not, I think he was a lot, like, some of the times he might have been high or something, but uh, later on, my buddy would talk about, like, not having his dad around, and that was really confusing to me, because I was like, oh, He's always dad, there. I, yeah. I was like, because I saw him with you, like, whatever, at the basketball practices where he, like, showed up half the time, but he made me realize, like, oh, no, there, there was, like, situations where like your dad's not just completely absent but he just like some dads are just like okay i spent a month with my kid and now i am going to move <laughs> that's 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 some dads dude for sure uh yeah my mom made me realize that as well it's like you know you should still be thankful for what you did have because you could look at somebody else and be like, oh, their dad was around or their mom or it could be a mom too. Right. And uh, yeah, it's like that where the specific circumstances might not be as great as you think. So right. you should just be thankful for what you have. That's Absolutely. my big lesson for today. Dude, you know? are Can you he, kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> We're wrapping up on a fucking somber note. No, uh, I want to make people laugh. Uh, yeah, me. You know what? What? Here, let me let me prompt you to say something to make some. Okay, sure. Yeah, me yeah. say something funny. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm, kidding, something. I'm kidding. I'm so kidding. So let me. Can I finish my story? Yeah, absolutely. I'm so sorry. the reason I was bringing up guns is, do you do you think like when you see me, I have a question. Do you do you get the feeling like I don't know why I want this, but do you get the feeling like I have an like a redneck? aspect to me or you wouldn't you wouldn't guess that at all right you i would wouldn't guess think, that at all i'm just no. like very suburban Absol absolutely absolutely I'm, I'm pretty much suburban i'm not that redneck but you know we're, uh, based off what we've talked about today like i obviously grew up in a small town in washington yes. like you get and the boy feeling. scouts are shooting 22s as a kid shooting 22s yeah man. um anyway but uh i did martial arts i got to the level where we were in a small group of people that were like brown belts or whatever higher and my teacher was like, "All right, we're gonna go to we're gonna go shooting, like that's the next level of martial arts is 
learning learning how to shoot guns i guess so one of the dudes in my class he had this he had, he lived in uh, a little bit northern washington and he had a big property you know uh and so we we drove like maybe an hour and a half up to his property up into like the boonies in washington very beautiful by the way like super beautiful but he had this big like property and then we were we were just like shooting guns at his house question are yeah. you wearing the uniform no i'm not wearing the uniforms <laughs> wait where are we, where are we wearing just tucking your gun in your white belt <laughs> no i don't think we were that would have been funny though yeah <clears throat> We did. <laughs> um, so yeah, we were just on his his range, and then we were like shooting. Uh, that was my first time shooting handguns and like, um, and like auto- semi-automatic rifles and stuff. And then we're like shooting handguns, and the guy's like, "All right, time to bring out the big boys." And he brings out like a semi-automatic uh, laser scoped rifle, which <laughs> is like, which was really fun to shoot, by the way. <laughs> but I'm but there's a there's a part of my head and in the back of my head, I'm like. What does this have to do with martial arts? <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing? Yeah, well, well, they they teach you don't don't blow someone's head off with an automatic rifle yeah. un- unless they challenge you first. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, only yeah. this this laser scoped rifle is only for self defense. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like this rifle that's made to uh, hit a penny from a cow. Uh, decapitate a cow from three hundred yards away is only if you feel threatened. Yeah. <laughs> right, and it's basically like my martial arts teacher being like, you know, hand to hand combat martial arts kajukenbo is good, but you know, guns are better. Way better <laughs> yeah. in every way. You wasted so much money on these classes. Yeah, <laughs> that is. Welcome to Black Belt. Hands <laughs> 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 me a, hands me a Yeah, you're just a, you're just a, an NRA member now. Yeah. That's so funny, <laughs> dude. Me a card. Oh, yeah, that's the net. Oh man, that's so good. When the, when the the instructor is like, by the way, everything that I taught you is kind of secondary to the Glock. Yeah, it's you which is kind of true in you, a way. You're gonna want to buy one of these eventually. Yeah. yeah. It, it is true because what we were doing, the particular style style of martial arts, was very self defense focused. Yeah, and it was about self defense. It was about practical. Right. Sh- it was a practical martial art. It wasn't like taekwondo where you're like, this is cool, you know. Right. So. And you and then you're it's like we need to do some practical offense. We yeah. need to do some self offense right now, dude. <laughs> yeah, basically. That's really funny. Oh. Well, you did. You certainly accomplished your goal goal of saying something incredibly funny because Sweet. that is that is gold. Is there is there uh, anything that you want to plug at the end? I'm gonna do a punch in in the beginning. So oh yeah, yeah. I'll punch. I'll do anything that you want to plug. Yeah, I want to plug a bunch of stuff. Yeah, please. Uh, I just do like a bunch of live shows in L.A. So we should come to any of them. They're so good. I do weekly show slash open mic at Wino Vino every Saturday three o'clock. Uh, it's in Atwater Village. You it's can like catch this, me there sometime. Yeah. Dan's uh, comes and it's great and you go down into this basement of this wine bar it's really cool and uh, we do that every week and then this Friday and like every month we do Dishoom which is where we like roast Bollywood movies or Indian action movies in front of a live audience that's at Alamo Draft House uh, we do that every month Stax Comedy is a stand-up showcase we do at Alamo Draft House we do that every month as well and then the last one is Dead Serious Comedy Show, which is another stand-up comedy showcase that I run with my friend Hartball and Elbert. And we do that in San Gabriel Valley and uh, kind of near Alhambra. 
at this place called Blossom Market Hall. It's like this food court, but they have like an art gallery upstairs, and we get really good comics to headline. Oh, that That's the cool thing about that show. It's like big, yeah. And you're gonna be doing it, I think. Oh yeah, next year. So I can't wait. Yeah. Um. <laughs> and make sure to uh, follow me on all social media. I'm gonna put that in the description below. Yeah. Um, please do. I I do like animation, and I post my stand up. So there's a reason to follow me. We didn't even get into the animation, but yeah, oh, please yeah, check out yeah. the animation. But uh, thank you for coming on, dude. Yeah, man, that was really yeah, fun. This is great and uh thanks for listening everybody have a good one